Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A tale of ridiculous faith. That word is kind of, kind of odd to use that word. But it falls on a great Sunday it's as if God planned it. And I believe that he did because we really didn't look at, hey, how is this going to flow with the baptism and all that? But it flows absolutely perfectly. As we look at what this means today of commitment and what it means to follow Jesus, what does it mean that I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back? And today we're going to look at that through the lens of an ancient prophet, one that, one that would seemingly be an insignificant person that God used in an absolutely incredible way. You may not have heard of him. You might be confused by the language because you've heard of Elijah, but maybe you've never heard of, of Elisha. And today we're going to tell you who, what the difference is and who he was and, and what God did through this man, and what does that have to do with you as, as we start a four-part series starting today. So here's what I want to say is, is we use the word ridiculous, and that could almost seem like a sacrilege to say, you're, you're talking about ridiculous, and there's a couple things with that. Number one is this, have you ever heard of a word that people, they kind of use an opposite meaning for? Like I remember in the 80s, see if you guys remember this, remember when you used the word bad? Anybody remember that all the time? Nobody says that anymore, right? You say it to your kids, and they're like, what do you mean, right? And we used to say that all the time. If we meant something was good, we'd say it was bad. Remember, it was just bad. Okay, you get the idea. Or then it was wicked for a while. Anybody remember that for a while? Wicked or fat. What was that about, right? I mean, I said that to my wife one time. She didn't get it, and uh, that wasn't cool at all. (laughs) So you got to be really careful defining your terms. What do we mean by ridiculous faith? And I think today we're going to be talking through the lens of a ridiculous commitment that we're going to use the word ridiculous quite a bit in this series but here's what I think. There's two things. One is, is we're using it kind of the opposite meaning, that we don't really mean ridiculous, we really mean awesome. The other thing is this. To the outside world, your commitment. If you, if you decide to follow Jesus, you, you are going to look kind of silly sometimes. You're going to look, quite honestly, ridiculous. But here's what I want to say to that. Sometimes it's one of those things where you go, hey, I'm willing to look ridiculous because here's what we know. <laughs> if you want what everybody else has got, keep doing what everybody else is doing. Does that make sense to everybody? If, if, if you go, hey, the, what the world is doing works, then that's great. But if you keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result, then it doesn't work. And, and what i got to tell you is this. A lot of things that God is calling us to do as his followers are going to seem ridiculous. They're going to seem without logic. Now, I don't mean that God's not logical. I don't mean that God doesn't have a plan. But it goes beyond human logic, Okay. And some of the things that God asks us to do sometimes will seem ridiculous. For some of you, you might be stuck in an area where you go, I I haven't heard from God. I don't understand. Maybe this will make more sense to you. Some people have said, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't understand what he's doing in my circumstances right now. And And I'm questioning, what on earth does he want me to do? And I have a feeling today may just answer a lot of those questions as we talk about this. So we're going to turn to the book of 1 Kings we're going to go back to the book of 1 Kings. If you were here a couple months ago, we talked about a, a prophet named Elijah. And we said, in a couple months, we're going to be talking about Elisha. And so let me explain what the connection is. Because we're going, hey, they had such names that are alike. So Elijah was a great prophet in the Old Testament. He came at a time in the nation of Israel when they had been disobeying God. 
And um, if you've missed any of that, you can go back a couple months ago. It's on our YouTube site. You can, you can watch. We did a four-part series on the life of Elijah. And what we said was he came when they were worshiping a, a, a god named Baal. And he did all kinds of miracles where God brought down on fire from heaven. And he did all kinds of amazing things in the life of Elijah. And when Elijah was done, God said this. He said, then, then you're not going to die. Here's what I'll do. I know you're afraid to die, but you're not going to die anyway. I'm going to send a fiery chariot to come and pick you up and take you to heaven. Okay, not making this up. That's what it says. He said, but before you do, there's some things I need you to do. And one of them was this. I need you to go and kind of mentor your successor. And his name is going to be Elisha. And that's kind of where we pick up today. If you, if you missed any of that, you can read the entire book of 1 Kings, and that'll give you a good idea, okay? But if anybody wants the abbreviated version, that I kind of gave you kind of the, the snapshot for you. So, so this great prophet who had done incredible things was saying, there's going to be a new prophet in Israel. His name's going to be Elisha. And Elisha doesn't even realize this is going to happen for him. So if you turn with me to, to 1 Kings chapter 19, It says this in verse 19, it says this. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. See, there's fat again, but anyway, we won't go there. Okay. And he was plowing. You want to circle that word plowing? He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12 pair. Now, this is God's plan for using or selecting leaders. And you'll see this if you look. This principle is found in almost every great man that God uses, okay? that they're usually found in an environment that we wouldn't think of as the training process, okay? We wouldn't think, we'd go, hey, you need to go to Israel's theological seminary and you can go find the next prophet. But that's not what, who this guy was. He didn't come from pedigree. He didn't come from kings. And that time, that would have been a good thing, right? I mean, we would agree, right? He's not coming from politics, so that's kind of good. <laughs> he didn't come from the religious circles. He wasn't Baptist. Okay, we won't go there. <laughs> He might have been. Who knows? We don't know what he was because he didn't do anything significant. His family weren't significant people. They had a mundane life doing what? Plowing behind ox. You know know what it looks like to plow behind an ox? Let me show you real quick. If you don't know, I needed to show you this because you could very easily just read through that and think, hey, that's not a big to-do verse. But when when you're plowing ox, this is what you're looking at all day, every day. Twelve ox in front of you, that's what you're looking at, Okay. Think about what that means to you. What kind of stuff do you get on you when you're, when you're plowing an ox, right? You got ox dung, you got ox poo coming at you all day long. And that might sound funny. You go, why did you bring that up? Because some of us, let me ask you a question. Is that what your job is like? You got ox poo coming at you all day long. It was monotonous. It was it was, it, was, it was a redundant job where you get up day after day, you hit the ox, you get the field, you do the thing. Anybody feel like that? That your job is monotonous? God, why do you have me here? And can I tell you where Elijah goes to select him? Now, now, Elijah didn't select him. God selected him. Can I tell you where the training ground is for God to make great leaders? It's usually in obscurity. It's usually in the mundane because God understands a principle, okay? God understands this principle, and we do too. Luke chapter 16, if you want to write it down, um, you can just write this down and look it up later. Luke chapter 16 and verse 10 it says this, whoever's faithful in the small things, I'll make them master over many things. That's the principle that's found here. Whenever God is looking for a great person, you know what he looks for? How did you do with what I gave you? And if you did great with what I gave you, I'll give you more. That's not exactly how 
we see it in our society, right? We, we look at American Idol and we go, you can go from not having anything to all of a sudden being a superstar. That's kind of the dream. But that's not how God sees it. Can I tell you, I think that's a principle, and if you're a leader, make sure you take care of that principle. Because I tell you, we've learned that as a pastor and as a church planner, one of the things I learned is this, is that if, if a person is not faithful in the small things, they won't be faithful in the big things. Okay? If they don't show up in the small things, they won't show up with the big things. A lot of people say, if you pay me more, then I'll do more. But it doesn't work that way. Can I, can I help you today? Maybe you're going, I don't, I don't like what I get paid. If they paid me more at my work, if they treated me better, then I would do more. And your boss asked me to give you a message. If you do more, they'll pay you more, okay? So, so just so you know, that's, that's a huge, huge principle in the Bible. And it happens to be the principle that God follows. As we go, give somebody something small. Don't give somebody something huge. You see how they do in the small things, and they'll give you more. The parable of the talents, you know what he says? He says, hey, the one that he gave ten produced, and he gave him more. And the one that had one and he buried it in the ground, and he did nothing with it. You know what he did? He took the one from him, and he gave it to the one that produces. Now, I know that's countercultural to the way we see it. But the truth is this. You know what God's looking for? People that are faithful right where they are. If you're faithful behind the ox, you'll be faithful in the big things. By the way, once you get to the next place, the grass is not greener on the other side. Do you believe that? And if it is, it's only because it's over the septic tank. Okay, you can write that down if you want to. But it's true, right? When you get there, there's going to be problems wherever you go. You ever done that? Where you, if this happens, then I'll finally be happy. Or when I get this thing, it'll finally be success. There's always ox poo in everything that you do, trust me. And so here's the thing. Just be faithful in the small things. God sees that, and he will help you in incredible ways. It's, it's, it's a principle that is absolutely worthwhile. Here's what happens. While he's out there doing this, Elijah just comes up, okay? Verse 19 continues to say this. Elijah went up to him, and he threw his cloak around him. If you want to circle a word, circle the word cloak. He threw his cloak around him. And what that symbolizes is this. The mantle of authority is now going to be passed from me to you. Now, it's not done yet, but I'm going to come alongside you, and I'm going to mentor you, and God sees something in you. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mentor you. That's another, that's another symbol of it. Let, let me tell you what I really think the symbol is, though. And this is huge. Because a lot of people say, how do I know what God wants me to do? One is this, that you will feel a calling that you can't get away from. That's true. And oftentimes God will call you when you're doing the mundane thing. And you'll be like, why are you calling me now? I can't do any of that. Yeah, I know. But that's where the calling comes. The other thing you'll get is this, and every great leader has it. The affirmation of other men of God. The affirmation of other women of God. There's a lot of people that think they're gifted in areas that they're not. Can I tell you that? (laughs) As a church planner, believe me when I tell you, there's a lot of people that think they're gifted in areas that they're not. And the one thing they don't have, and like as a pastor, one of the things that you have to have to go forward is you have ordination, which means other guys come alongside you. Other men of God come alongside you, and they affirm that gifting. It doesn't mean that they're the ones. Elijah didn't call Elisha. Elijah didn't pick Elisha. God did, right? But he had the affirmation of this great man of God. How, how much difference did that make? You'll see in a minute how much difference that's made in his life. Don't, don't miss that. That's, that's huge. That's a huge principle. As you're looking to say, hey, what is God calling me to? Who, who's affirming you? Who are you getting around? There's a lot of people that go, I don't, if I got God, I don't need anybody else's affirmation. Can I tell you something? That's wrong. It's unbiblical. It's not how Jesus did it. That he said, hey, I give my disciples all authority to help make disciples. If you're not doing it together, a lot of people can't build anything and they wonder why they're stuck. Okay? They wonder why their projects aren't working out, why their ministry isn't working out. If I had the same opportunities, no, they've never waited for the affirmation. 
Because people won't get, go along if you don't get along, okay? I've always wanted to be able to say that, so thank you. Amen. We'll move past it, okay? <laughs> Verse 20, Elisha then, then left his ox. Okay, you want to like that? He left his ox, and he ran after Elijah. And then he said this. He said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. And then I will come with you. You want to underline that? I will come with you. And, and Elijah said to him, go back, Elijah replied. What, ha- what have I done to you? It took me a little while to read that, and I was like, am I reading that right? Did I print this out wrong? Is, is the new international version just not saying it right? What does he mean by that? So let me explain a couple things. One is this, is that he left, he left everything and he went, but I, I, want, I want to focus in on this phrase right here, what I have done for you. And what that means is this, remember what I did. Remember that I am given the mantle of responsibility. Remember that God has come to you this day and he has called you out. Okay, this is very important. That now your life is about to change. The great man has come. And when you go back, do not forget that God has called you because it's going to be easy when you go back to kiss your mom and dad goodbye that you made this great commitment today that I'm going to come and follow Elijah and I'm going to be the next prophet of Israel. But when you go back home, there's going to be a draw. Satan's going to come after you, and he's going to say, just stay at home. You know what? Maybe God didn't call you after all. And Elijah is reiterating. He's saying, you know what? I have affirmed you. Do not forget to come. Don't go there and stay there. You go back quickly, and you come back after me quickly. Here's where I think the principle is today. I want to give you two principles of ridiculous commitments today. That's all we want to focus on. Number one, number one, I wrote this down so I'd get it right. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Let me say something. He didn't understand. He didn't know that day God was going to call him. Most of the time people don't. He didn't realize Elijah was going to come, but he knew that it was from God, and he had the affirmation from this great man of God. If you, if you want to know who Elijah was, go back and read. He did some incredible things. He definitely knew who he was. But he didn't have to understand everything about it. Well, how's this all going to work out? Anybody ever ask that question? I'll start. Here's when, I, here's when I'll start. And I used to say this all the time, and I think it's probably why I didn't minister until I became middle-aged, because I was waiting. I was waiting. And waiting is not a bad thing. When you're waiting on God and you're waiting on what God wants to do in your life, you never want to rush and go ahead of God. Here's the other thing you don't want to do. You don't want to get behind God either. I'll wait till everything's perfect. Then you know what? You'll never do ministry. You will never do what God is calling you to do if you continue to wait after he's told you to do it. And what people are waiting for is this. Well, I want to see the plan. You know what? I'll do what God says when he shows me the money. And God says, no, when you take the step, then I'll show you the money. Get it? it, when, when, when it oftentimes God comes in a single word, okay? And you, you look through the scripture and you will see this principle over and over and over again. And I know that's not the same as some of the things that people teach. I know it's not the same as some of the strategic planning and the planning that we're used to, the logical planning. But can I tell you something? The faith and the commitment to Jesus Christ is a ridiculous one, as the world sees it. But let me tell you something. If you want what the world has, keep doing what the world's doing. If you want what you have, keep doing what you're doing. But if you want what Jesus has, then start doing it the way that he does. And here's what he's saying today. You don't have to understand fully. In fact, can I put it differently? You won't understand fully. The the history will unfold. If God wanted us to know everything about the future, one, he hasn't done a very good job, right? Because the future unfolds. It means that it's folded over and you don't know what it is. He wanted you to know the day you'll die. You know, he already knows when that day is. You know, he already knows what's going to happen to you tomorrow. 
And if he wanted to, he could show it to you. But he didn't. Because here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to obey. He wants you to obey immediately, even though you don't understand fully. Oftentimes, it comes in a single word. I wrote down a couple of them. Abraham, the, the, the father of the nation of Israel, of God's chosen people. When he called Abraham, you know what he said? Go. Where? To a land I will show you. Where's that? I'll tell you as you go. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. He left the land of the Chaldeans, and he went where? I just started walking because God said to go. And then he showed Abraham. And by the way, it did work out for Abraham, didn't it? As he stepped in God's direction. And Abraham didn't get it all right. You read it. Nobody does. It's not a perfect direction. It doesn't mean we follow perfectly. But what it means is this. He followed him immediately. That's what God is looking for. Moses. He said, go to Egypt, right? He, he, Moses was working in the mundane. That's how everybody goes through that process. Moses, 40 years on the backside of a desert, 80 years old. God comes to him in a burning bush and says, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. You know the story? <laughs> well, how am I going to do it? Go. And then I'll provide what you need. You get the idea? Well, Peter, what did he say? He says, come, follow me. So you leave everything you have to come follow me. He didn't give him a plan. He didn't say what this is going to be like. He didn't show him his strategic plan or any of that stuff. I'm not against planning. All I'm saying is this, is you don't have to understand everything to obey immediately. In fact, if you do, God will never use you. You'll be waiting and waiting and waiting. God's saying, you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. You obey me and I'll give you the next step. Okay. In your, here's some things he might be saying to you today. In your marriage, some people are struggling and you might just hear one word, stay. Stay, work it out. You know, how's that going to work out for me? How do I get through the next day? How do I know what the future is going to be like? You don't. But God has given you a word, and you need to hold on to that word that says, stay, and I'll help give you the next step. Today's grace is for today. Tomorrow's grace is for tomorrow. Does that make sense? God doesn't give you tomorrow's grace today. Some people are struggling with that because they're going, I want to see him show up today and fix all my problems. He doesn't do that. And maybe that's where you're stuck. Because you thought God was going to come and take care of all of your problems today. But what he wants is, he says, stay today. And tomorrow, I'll be there for you tomorrow. Hey, but you got to come back to me tomorrow. Does that make sense? So don't think that I'm going to pray one time and now i got it all taken care of. That's not how it works. God is saying, hey, you gotta, you got to start where it's at. Some people, it's health. I'm afraid that i got cancer. I heard this report and he's saying, you know what he's saying? Trust. Trust in me. i got this one. Okay? Just trust in me. In fact, that's what the Bible says, right? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know what we just said? You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. He will make your paths straight. Not you, not your logic, not your money, not any of those other things. He's got it all taken care of when you follow him. For some of you, it's an idea. God has given you a dream or a vision or a plan. And you know what he's saying to you? He's saying, start. And yes, it's going to take planning. It's going to require effort. Don't think that it's not going to take discipline and planning and all that stuff. But here's the problem. A lot of people, God gives a plan and he goes, when God gives me all the resources, then I'll start. Maybe, maybe you've been waiting on God. And today is that moment where God is directly speaking to you. And maybe he'll do it through me. And the word that he, God has for you is this. Start. You know why it ain't working out for you? You haven't done the first thing I've asked you. And when you're faithful in the small things, then I'll make you master over many things. But I don't have a big platform. Yeah, no, I didn't call you to a big platform. 
I, didn't, I don't have everything. I don't have them all with ducks in a row. Yeah, I know. You, you won't have all your ducks in a row. I don't have my life all straight. You see, a lot of things are only learned through the servant's entrance. And as we start to follow God, and I see some people, once I get my life all straight, then I'll start to follow Jesus. Can I tell you, it doesn't work that way. Can I say you, you won't believe right or behave right. You start following, and then your life will start to conform to him. That's how it works. Because some people think, I'm going to get it all straight, then I'll come up here and get baptized. That's what you're waiting for. But you know what he said? He said, make disciples, baptize them, then teach them everything I have commanded you. Because that's how it works. You start the process. You commit. It's ridiculous, isn't it? But it's a ridiculous faith that works. It's how God works. Start. Church. For some of us, the word is commit. You've been here for years. You've been here since the start, and you've never committed. You're still waiting on what? And and, and you're going, but I don't fully understand. I don't know for sure this is where God has me. That's okay. God can still move you, but the question is this. What are you waiting for to commit? Well, I want to be part. Yeah, well, if you want to be part, you've got to get to be part. Okay, you get the idea. For some of you, maybe he's sending you a word. You go, hey, I haven't had children, and, and you know what? Maybe God, and, and he's sending you a word today, and he's saying, you know what I want you to do? I want you to adopt. Okay? You, you know, when we had Wyatt, I, I'll tell you something about being a parent. <laughs> you're never going to have it all together. If you're waiting to have it all together to have a child... There won't be any children. You get the idea. It's just the way it is. If you wait till you get it all together to get married, you ain't never getting married. Okay? And I question that sometimes. Hey, if you can wait that long, uh, maybe that's not the right person for you. You get the idea? And God is saying, I want you to act in what I've shown you. Now, make sure you hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I'm not saying go out there and act foolishly. Go out there and act against it. But when God has given you the word and you know that it's from God, if you don't know it's from God, then that's what church is all about. Let us help you. Okay? You know what you need? You need to get some affirmation. But when you get the word of the Lord, obey immediately or your time will pass. You, you don't believe it. Then you read Matthew chapter 25. It is, a, it is a scary, scary thing when God says what it's going to be like when God comes back. And he tells the parable of the talents and he says, I gave one ten and that one produced ten more. Remember, he, he's really talking about our lives. He's saying a master entrusted his servant to ten bags of money, and he produced 20. Remember, and the one that produced five, and he brought back ten. And the one that produced one, he said, I was scared to do anything. So you know what I did? I sat on what I had. And the master said, well, well, you could have at least put it in the bank. You could have done something with it. No, I wanted to keep it pure. I wanted to make sure I didn't make any mistakes. And you know what he said? Take it from the one and give it to the one that has ten. Because at least he produced. At least he risked. At least he was willing to do what God wanted him to do. And then he said, throw him out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. What he's saying is, you're not following. That's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, if I have given you a word, then start there and I'll give you the next step. Do the next right thing. Don't worry about all of the future. Worry about right here. And that's exactly what Elijah was saying. I have a feeling somebody might have needed that word. Here's another one. Sometimes it's negative. It's, you know, how is this relationship going to go out and you keep going out with the same jerk that's abusive over and over and over. And I think God has given you one word today, break up with the jerk. Okay, that's more than one word. Some of you guys need a bigger word. You get the idea? Keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. And God's saying that is not what you need. You need to come be part of a healthy community. That's right here. And let us help you with that. And God is saying, you know what? It's time to end that. 
That's not going to help you. But I'm holding on because I need that relationship. No, no, you need God. And he's saying, break up with that and let's move on with your life. You get the idea? I don't know what God's saying to you today. I wouldn't dream of telling you. Only to say this. I believe he's saying something to somebody. And what he's saying is this. You don't have to understand it all fully. In fact, you won't to obey immediately. All right. Principle number two, we find it as the verse continues. So here's what happened with Elisha. Verse 21. So Elisha left him and he went back and he took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. (laughs) And he burned the plow equipment to cook meat and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. (laughs) All right, so let me see if I can explain this. Two words I want you to circle. Slaughtered and burned. He went back and he remembered the words of Elijah. He said, this is the moment God has called me for something. I have a feeling Elisha knew that God had been calling him for a while. And he was faithful with what God gave him. And I think every day he got up looking at those the ox butts, you know, going, this is it? This is what you got for me? And he was faithful at home and he was faithful doing what God told him to do. And he was faithful to do the next right thing. And when, and when he called him, he said, I'm going to come. And he goes back home and what does he do? He slaughters the ox. Now, I know, Peter, people, sorry. <laughs> what can we say? And what does he do? He takes the plow. This is awesome what he does. And he, he breaks apart the plow and he burns the plow and cooks the food on top of it and he offers everybody steak. Now, this is awesome, right? I mean, wouldn't you like a friend like Elisha? But he's going, this is so serious that God has called me. And here's what it means. No turning back. He burnt the bridges behind him. That comes from a Roman saying, to burn the bridges, the point of no return. It means when you're fully engaged, there is no plan B. Now, to the world, that's ridiculous, right? Let me say, this is how God works. This is the principle of God. Number, number one, you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And number two, those that God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. Those that God uses the most hold on to the least. You see, those that want options are going to struggle with this, right? Because human wisdom is saying, you know, I might try this God thing, one foot with God, but I'm going to keep my relationships over here too. See, I'm not going to be fully committed to God. You see, saying a salvation prayer, that's why baptism is so important, because what it means is, is now you tangibly look at everybody and you say, now I've decided to follow Jesus. Now, some reason why some people haven't been baptized, can I tell you why? Because they're not ready to do that. Well, I believe in Jesus, so I don't have to, be, I don't have to get baptized to be saved. That's true. But to follow Jesus, you do, Right? That's the first step in following Jesus. Why? Because now you've committed. Now you've, you're all in. Now you've told people. And they're going to hold you to that, right? They're liable to say, I thought I saw you get baptized. Is that how a Christian acts? It's, it's funny because the unsaved people, people that don't go to church, they know how Christians are supposed to act, okay? <laughs> if you want to know how to act, just go to some unsaved people and say, hey, what do you think I ought to be doing? Don't even worry. They'll tell you, right? You do one thing wrong, you say one word out of whack. Pastors say that? Okay, you get the idea, right? Okay. <laughs> but those that God uses most are the ones who hold on. To the least, they they let things they let some things go. They burn the bridges behind them. Luke chapter five. I wrote this down just so you can write down the reference. When Jesus called his disciples, you know what he told them? He said, "Leave everything and come and follow me." That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. What? 
But what's your plan? No, no, I'm Messiah. They knew that he's Christ. They, they recognized that he was. The Holy Spirit of God drew them to them, so they knew. But some people know what God is calling them to do. They know what the right thing is to do, but they're going, yeah, but I haven't seen the full plan. Can I tell you something? You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. You understand how this is working for you? And, and those that, that God loves most, you're going, wait, but, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean you want me to leave my job and go do that? Yeah. Some of us are like, that's exactly what I want to do, right? I'm ready to kill the ox today. Now, that's not a person, okay? So don't be out there saying, Pastor John told me to go to my work and kill my boss and burn down the building. Okay, don't do that, okay? That is not the message that we're sending today. I got a feeling there's some people calling me up saying, I know that I'm meant for ministry and I'm going to go quit my job right now and God's just going to work it all out. You ever seen anybody do that and that it didn't work out for them? Can I tell you why? Because they didn't truly follow what we're talking about here today. God may indeed have called them, but they didn't have one thing that Elisha had going for him. You know what he had? The affirmation of a great man of God. So let me ask you a question. Before you go kill your ox, okay, and burn your plows, <laughs> quit your job, is there anybody affirming that in you? Do you even know anybody? No, I don't need that. I don't need anybody to affirm me. I can't tell you the amount of people that come to me with their plans, and they're mad because nobody's on board with it. But they've never got affirmation. They've never learned how to get along with people. Can I tell you something? You're going to start ministry. You've got to get along with people. You've you got to have affirmation from people. There's people that are smart and been doing this for a long time, and they can help. That's not bureaucracy. That's help and affirmation. So my question to you, before you burn your plows, one, has God called you? Is that what God's saying or is that what you're saying? Number two, is anybody affirming you? Because if I'm hearing God's voice and you're hearing God's voice, we ought to be hearing the same voice. Is anybody else saying, hey, I see that gifting in you? No, I'm the only one, not even my spouse. You know what, ask your spouse, do they see that gifting? You're probably not ready for that. Ask me first, okay, then ask your spouse. Because it will destroy you, right? Now I don't really see you doing that, okay? And there might be some things you've got to work on first. We get it. But when God calls you out, don't you dare be afraid because here's what I see. On the other hand, there's other people going, I'm still waiting for another sign. And God is saying, if you're not ready to follow me, then I've got to tell you, it's not going to work out. You know, the rich man came to him and said, he said, you know, uh, what does it mean to follow you, Jesus? And he said, I'll tell you what it means. Sell everything you have and come follow me. And the guy went away distraught. He didn't follow him that day. Because he wanted his salvation, but he wanted to be able to hold on to stuff too. And the problem is that some of us, we're so busy holding on to the wrong thing. Get it? We're so busy holding on to some good things, but that's not what God's called us to. And we're going, but I'm safe here. I wrote this down because I didn't want to forget how to say it. Step towards your destiny and step away from your security. If you want to step towards the destiny that God has for you, you're going to have to. There's no doubt in my mind that this is true. You're going to have to step away from your security. It doesn't work any other way. Can I tell you something? Following Jesus is a ridiculous commitment. The world is going to make fun of you. Here's where people aren't going to be used to it. Your family's going to say, you're, you're crazy. What are you thinking to do that? Get it? There's other people in the world going to say, you need to keep your options open. You need to be able to go back and forth. But the truth is, if you're going to win this battle, you're going to be fully committed to God, and God has called you. You're going to have to burn the bridges behind you. We sing a song about that, right? I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And for today, some of us have never felt the power of God because we've never fully committed to God. It's true. You never felt him, and you're going, I'm waiting on God's power, then I'll act. And he's going, no, no, I'm waiting on you to fully commit, then I'll act. And the question is this, has God done enough for you to trust him? That's tough, isn't it? 
You say you're a follower of Jesus, but my question today is this. Has he done enough that you will fully trust in him and do what he's asking you to do? Are you holding back? Oh, I'll do it when God shows me. You show me first. And God's going, I'm not. You know who I show it to? The ones that will do this before they fully understand they'll follow me immediately. Because I've done enough that they can trust me with all the things they don't understand. I'd say what? I'll use the ones that hold on to the least. That they understand the one thing they need isn't the thing that they think. Not their security. That they will open it up and God will put in or take out whatever it is that he wants to do. And when you do that, all of a sudden God will show up in an incredible, incredible way in your life. So I wrote down a couple things for us today. For some of us, God is calling you to come follow him. You've never followed him today in your life. You've come to church, you've been around it, maybe you came today just to see a baptism, and you're going, I don't know if God could save me, but you hear about a Jesus that died on the cross, and today is the day before you understand fully, it's time that you say, you know what, even if I don't believe right and I don't behave right, but I know enough that I'm going to act on what I do know, and I'm ready to start to follow Jesus. And I'll take the next step. I'm going to ask you to do that. Stepping out by faith. Stepping out by faith, and I can guarantee you this, there's not many guarantees in this world. If you take a step towards God, he'll take a step towards you. Can I tell you something? God's already taken this step towards you. It isn't us seeking God, it's he's already there reaching out to you. Okay, you get it. The other one is this, some of us need freedom. Some of us have things in our lives, we have sins in our lives, we have addictions in our lives, and we need freedom. But, but the way through to that freedom, can I tell you what it is? Can I tell you how you burn your plows? Here's how you burn your plows. You surrender to God. You see, a lot of people think, I'm going to get a different result by doing the same thing. So my question to you today is this. What, what ox do you need to slaughter? What plows do you need to burn today? What, what is it that you would need to do so that there is no turning back? And for addiction, I can tell you what it is. It's surrender to God. It isn't you trying to muscle your way through it. Because some of you, you've tried for a long time, right? I get it. I know. I got some of my own stuff. And every time we try, and every time we try to muscle through it, and every time we try to do it in our own might, we find ourselves right back to our addiction. We find ourselves in the bar. We find ourselves in the drugs. We find ourselves in the food. We find ourselves in the pornography. And today is the day we're going to say, you know what? I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, whatever that means. And you know what I'm going to do? Maybe you need to come here and we're going to pray over you today. That's not the last step. You know what that is? That's the first step. That's the first step that says, I'm ready now to surrender to God. I'm ready to surrender to his process and his way of doing it. And I don't have to fully understand everything to obey immediately. And if you will, I can tell you there's a room full of people here today that's done it. And it has changed our lives. We're not perfect. We haven't got this down, but, but you know what I see? We're not what we should be. We're not what we ought to be, but praise God Almighty, we're not what we used to be. Get it? And you can have that too. If God could do it for me, he can do it for you. But let me tell you something. You're going to break addiction? It's going to mean some things. You're going to have to do some things that seem ridiculous to other people. It means you're going to have to stop drinking. It means you're going to have to get around some people that know what they're doing with that and not just say, I went from the bottle to Jesus and there's no steps in between. That's not like that. Hear me? Same thing for drugs, same things for food, same things for pornography. Some of us have got to change some lifestyle habits. I understand that freedom works for some people, but some people can't have a smartphone. You might have to go back to a flip phone. You know how hard it is to get a flip phone? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you want, you want your freedom or do you want Jesus Christ? And you're going, hey, you know what? I'm willing to give that up so that doesn't hold me anymore. 
No turning back. You ready to burn the bridges behind you and follow Jesus today? It would be awesome if you do. Some of you, you, you want a great marriage, but you're looking in all the wrong places to find somebody. You want a guy to complete you, but you're looking in the wrong places. And you're going out with people that are abusive. You're going out with people that don't treat you right. And I'm just going to tell you, you can't have a healthy marriage if that's how it's going to be. And it's time that you decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to practice his principles. And God will provide for me what it is that I need. For some of us, it's financial peace. You get my finances are a wreck. And you've been doing your finances your way, not God's way. And you know what God is saying? It's time. I know that was one of the biggest pivotal points in my life when I heard Dave Ramsey say, if you want to live like no one else, you've got to live like no one else. If you want to be in debt, then keep living like everybody else. But the day he said it and I had to go and cut up my credit cards, and then I had to do that a second time after I didn't think that through and have a plan. So we say, hey, maybe you need to come and talk to us. You see, it's going to take some relationships. You think you're going to get there overnight. Just cutting up your credit cards does nothing, right? Because the creditor said, I don't care that you cut them up. You still got to pay for them. Okay. <laughs> We can help you with that. We got, we got a class, financial peace. We got some people that have been through it. We're working through that together because it's tough, isn't it? Some of us need some help with that. Some of us, God is calling to do something. Some of you, he's been calling you for a long, long time, and you've been waiting for all the pieces to line up. And God is saying, no, that's not what I need. You know what I need you to do? I need you to do what it is that I'm calling you to do. Here's what I know. You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And if you will do this, those, those God uses most will hold on to the least. If we would today raise our hands to God and say, take in or out whatever it is you want, and whatever it is you don't want, we'll burn those bridges. No longer one foot with God and one foot with the world. No longer one foot with God and one foot, well, I'm kind of halfway in. You know what God's ready? He's ready for you to all the way be in. He's ready for you not just to have a little bit of water sprinkled on your head. You get it? (laughs) He's ready for you to be fully immersed into him. You get the picture? That's what he wants. And if you will do that, I guarantee you. If you come back next week, you're going to find out about a man's life, Elisha, who did the greatest miracles of the Old Testament. When I say that, I don't say that weekly, okay? You've seen the plagues of Egypt. You saw what Elijah did, but he prayed for a double portion of Elijah's blessing, and he got it, and he did Bigger miracles than anyone else all the way up until Jesus Christ. This guy who was behind an ox did the greatest miracles the world has ever seen. Come back next week, we'll tell you about it. But you know where it starts? Fully committed. Here's where God wouldn't have used Elisha. If Elijah had went home and looked at those oxen and said, you know what, I need to plow a little and follow God a little. God would have picked somebody else. God knew he would follow him fully. You know what? He's calling you too. And he's been waiting for this moment, this destiny right now to follow what God is saying. And when you do, God will do an amazing thing. Let's stand for prayer. Father God, we come before you today, Lord. We celebrate the baptisms today where people have said, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. They've decided to commit their life to you. Lord, we know that that's only because of your grace. We don't have this wrong. It starts with your grace. And then the works come out of our love for you. So God, I just pray today, Lord, and cement that for them today. But I pray for all of us today. I pray for the one that came here today and they go, I don't know Jesus, but I want to. I pray that maybe, Lord, you will open up 
they'll open up their heart's door to you, that they'll realize you're knocking at their heart's door and that you just want to come in and you want to transform their life. That, Lord, they don't have to change a thing to open that door. But as they do, you'll start to help them change their life. One thing I've learned as a believer, Lord, is that I used to think, oh, all these policies and procedures, it's terrible being a Christian. Until I learned, Lord, we, the things that we're giving up, they're really not of any value. Lord, the things that I thought were so important that I held on to, all that security stuff that I held on to, I could let go of that and hold on to you. And I realized there isn't a lot of other things I need besides you, but sometimes I still get off. I pray for the believers, Lord, that, that some of us have gotten off track. And we started, at, we started to go back to one foot with God and one foot with the world. For some of us, God, we've always had one foot with God and one foot with the world. We, we're holding on to our security, but we, we can't fully engage God, and our life can't fully be engaged. And, Lord, I pray for each person here today that they can live completely, that they can finally be alive fully, the abundant life that Jesus talks about. But it's only done when we turn fully to you. I don't pretend to know what you're saying to everybody. But I pray whatever that word is that's coming from you today, I pray that they will take the next step. And I believe, God, with all my heart, that if they take the next step, you're right there. In fact, you're already there. You already know the future. I pray that they'll trust you with everything they have. And God, I truly believe you'll make our paths straight. God, I pray you receive all the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.